woods are no place for a bear like me, with hopes and dreams. Ever since I was a cub, I've always imagined myself going to Hollywood and becoming a big movie star. Imagine being that silly bear one day, the voice on a luxury car commercial the next day, and all the characters in an audiobook the following day. Such is the life of John Malone, a professional voice actor. I'm Elizabeth Pearson Gar, and this is the Experience Podcast, the podcast that lets you vicariously experience something you probably haven't done before. On this episode, we get chatty with award-winning professional voice actor, John Malone. John does voices for animation, commercials, video games, TV narration, audiobooks, and more, mostly recording in his home studio, which he calls the Malone Zone. With his voice as his instrument, John goes from lighthearted to confident to serious, but as we'll hear, it's not as simple as it may sound. Hi, John. Thank you for being here. It's good to be here. What a pleasure to get to talk to you. Thank you for saying yes. I have oh, you're so welcome. many have so many questions. I love creative people. I'm inspired by your story. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about how you got where you are and how you made the decisions that you did. And just more about your work. Okay. So I think I'd like to just start in the present and just look at where you are right now, which looks like a home recording studio. Yes, this is my uh, this is the Malone zone that we're in right now. And yes, it's my own home recording studio. So this is where the vast majority of my work is recorded from. Now, is that something that most voice actors have at your caliber, a home recording studio? Or is that more of a result of COVID, a necessity? It, it has since COVID become a necessity for pretty much everybody. I mean, definitely last year, it was a must. If you didn't have it, it was a problem. And people were scrambling to be able to set themselves up for it. For me, I was actually already prepared with a home studio before that. Even though I live in Los Angeles, a lot of people that live in Los Angeles just, they don't bother to prepare. They can go in and they can read auditions at their agent's office. And uh, when they have a recording session, it's probably at some studio here in LA they can drive to. So they just don't bother. They don't have that. But for me, when I first started getting into this, the whole idea of being able to have a home recording studio and record everything from home was really appealing to me. And it made it seem a little bit more doable to me than the first time I had taken a stab at it some years ago, um, because it just didn't, it didn't involve the uh, driving around from studio to studio. And it didn't necessarily involve uh, having a talent agent to get work. So that was attractive to me. Can you describe the home studio? What does it entail? What do you need to have to create a home studio? The most important thing is to have your room well-treated, your mic well-placed, so you don't get lots of reflections off of the hard surfaces in your room. You want the acoustics to be good. So that's really the most important thing in your home recording studio. For others, sound isolation is important. You know, if you have things going on in your home, if you have kids at home, if you have a spouse that works from home, if you have neighbors, if you have helicopters, if you have airplanes, if you have traffic, any of that stuff can uh, get in on your recordings. And so you want sound isolation as well. This is a pretty small space that I'm in. I built it myself with my wife's help, actually. 
uh, and she was <laughs> indispensable to getting it done. But we built it ourselves, and it has sort of grown with me. As you begin to have kids playing next door and airplanes and things like that creeping into your recordings, you're like, okay, maybe I need to do something about that. So we put some more insulation in the walls, and we built a legit door that can close and and uh, keep you isolated. But those are the main considerations, uh, that it provide good acoustics, uh, that it provides some sound isolation, and I guess that it'd be a comfortable place to work. Yeah, so you're in there how many hours a day, or does it really just depend on the week and the day and what your work is that you're doing that, yeah, that month? it definitely depends on uh, what's going on with you that day. For auditions, I like to record my auditions in the booth, but I like to leave the booth to go out to uh, my other workstation to edit. That's just my preference. I'd rather get out of this little room <laughs> and, you know, take a walk and just go work somewhere else. And, you know, there's windows and there's light and, you know, you you, you don't feel like you're uh, in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> right. So if I have a lot of auditions, I'm going to be coming back and forth in here a lot. If I have something that's long form, like an audio book or some kind of e-learning, you're going to spend a lot of time in here as well, uh, just because it's so much time narrating. But, um, you know, it's not all day every day because a lot of your time is spent marketing. You're not necessarily recording all the time, especially when you first start out. Let's go back to the uh, the scope of your work. Mm. You've got such a portfolio. You have commercials, you have books, you have movies. How do you juggle it all? How did you get to this place? How did you figure out which way you wanted to go? How did you figure out your range? I've tried a lot of things. And I, I think that if you're going to be successful, being versatile is important. And being able to play in lots of different sandboxes is important. So um, I've trained with a lot of different people in different areas. I've tried different things, practiced different kinds of scripts and different styles, created different demos. And you never really know where you're going to click uh, where you're going to work. So uh, I like to try a lot of different things so I can, you know, have uh, a diverse offering. What does a day kind of look like? I know there's no typical day, but let's say you're doing an audition and then you're recording something. I mean, do you get up? Are there special voice exercises you need to do, sort of like a singer needs to do to practice? Or how do you get into a mode for a particular character or a particular role? Well, I mean, I start every day off meditating. So uh, I'll do maybe 10 minutes of meditation. And then I'll go out and I'll take a walk. So I get out into the fresh air. I get a little exercise. And all of this is, of course, before I've done anything. So you know, that's how my routine begins in the morning is with that. You want to start hydrating early. It's important that you be drinking water. That's why, you know, I have my little mug in here and I'm constantly oh. <laughs> just needed to hydrate there. You're tied to your email because a lot of my auditions will come via email. So, you know, you'll be checking that early and often and uh, putting those auditions aside and paying attention to when they're due so you know when you need to record them. If I have something I promised to a client, I may have to prioritize that. It just really depends on what's on my plate. Um, as far as vocal warm-ups go, I'm not as devoted to doing vocal warm-ups as I probably should. I do have some routines that I like to do, but really just 
talking is, is, you know, you want to get yourself speaking because when you first get out of bed in the morning, you know, you have that sort of bed voice. So you just want to be exercising your vocal cords, exercising your mouth and your lips and your teeth and your tongue and all of that. Lip trills are really helpful. That kind of thing where you make, make a motorboat sound with your lips, practiced breathing, things like that. But I'm not as devoted to it as I should be. Sometimes I just dive right into the auditions if they're there. It depends upon how busy a day it's going to be. Uh-huh. I know you've trained with a lot of different people, and I'm, I'm sure you're just being a creative person. You've come up with things, but I've listened to so many of your recordings on your website. And like I said, you have such a, a range. How have you found so many of those voices? And I'm wondering if you can give our audience a little bit of a few of them um, <laughs> <laughs> because it's just incredible to me that out of one person can come such a, a friendly bubbly character and then a very deep resonant serious character and then right. you know a stern sort of demanding guy and I just think it's very impressive what you can do well I appreciate that I mean I've been an actor most of my life so you know, your focus is on human behavior and the differences between people and what makes people interesting. So I've been sort of doing that kind of thing my whole life and imitating people. Uh, Hank Azaria, who is a yeah. pretty famous voice actor on The Simpsons, often says that some of his best characters are bad impressions of somebody else. Uh. <laughs> you know, so he'll, an old time movie actor, he'll do a bad impression, you know, uh, of, of Peter Lorre, let's say, for instance, and that'll just become a new character for him. So uh -huh. um, it's just about listening to other people's uh, speech patterns watching other people and how they behave because even though you you can't see me over the microphone your physicality it changes everything so like you said when you're friendly guy a smile makes a big difference and you'll sometimes hear a director or a coach say to you put more smile into it because you can tell when you're smiling the difference between how your voice sounds when you're smiling and how your voice sounds when you you have a more serious look on your face it's it comes through and I've heard that with animated productions, they often videotape the actor as they're performing and then they animate to the video. Because... That's definitely more common in video games. It's called mocap or motion capture, where they are literally putting sensors on the person's face and capturing their performance. And sometimes it's even body performance, you know, in some of these military games, you know, where you have soldiers. People play soldier and they wear these body costumes that capture their performance. It's really pretty incredible. I have not done a lot of that. Mostly everything I've done has just been, you know, capturing the voice. But yes, motion capture is a thing. How much do you feel like your acting background helped your success as a voice actor? A hundred percent. I mean, it's it's really important. People forget that voice acting is acting. It's not just talking into a microphone. So it's really, really helpful. And knowing the actor's process and how to break down a script and, you know, just asking yourself simple questions like, who is this person you're talking to and, and, and what are you trying to say to them? Never mind the lines. What message are you trying to communicate to them? And who are you for that matter? And how do you feel about this message that you're trying to communicate? And just simple questions like that make a huge difference. And right now I'm talking about uh, commercial scripts, right? Like who's the audience? Right, what, right. What do they want to hear? Right. Mm -hmm. That stuff applies even more 
when you're talking about character work. You know, all the actor's process is really important when you're talking about character work. But it's important in everything, whether it is commercial or, or e-learning or corporate narration or anything like that. It's still an acting job. Sometimes you're playing very close to you, and sometimes you're, you know, you're the instrument. You don't have to put on a heavy character, but it's still an acting job. How about the ebooks? That must be a particular challenge because you have to take on so many characters. I mean, when I listen to ebooks, it's really entertaining to hear that one actor become so many characters. Yeah. Depending on the book, but yes. that must be fun. It's fun. It's challenging. Audiobooks are a slog. It's a lot of work. I mean, if you've listened to an audiobook of a novel, for instance, a lot of people don't realize how long they are. I mean, when you sit down and hours read, and hours, hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and, you know, you don't just sit down and open up the book and read the book into your microphone. It just does not work that way. You know, there's a lot of preparation that has to go into the work before you even turn the microphone on. And then in the recording process, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to have to start and stop. So uh, there's your prep time, there's your recording time. And then there's the editing and mastering time, which if you're producing your own audiobooks, which most of the audiobooks I've recorded, I've produced myself. So I do all the editing and all the mastering, and that takes even longer than the prep and the recording because it's very meticulous. So the recording itself, like let's say it's an, an hour of listening time, is that probably two hours of recording time? Yeah, that's a safe that's a safe estimate. It depends upon what it is. If it's nonfiction, for instance, it's probably going to take less time than a work of fiction because in a work of fiction, there's all kinds of drama. And like you said, there are other characters. And sometimes, you know, you need to keep those characters straight. Maybe you need to refer to an old recording you've done of that character in Chapter 2 when you're in Chapter 7 and that character appears again and you forget what they sounded like. But that's not a bad estimate. Is a 2 to 1 ratio, something like that. That it, you get better at it over time. So how familiar you are with the material and how familiar you are just with the process will make that faster. But what a rewarding experience in the end. Look what you've literally produced out there to have forever. That's there. That's living in the world. Yes. Yeah, it is exciting. And I have actually won a voice arts award for uh, narrating a, an audiobook. And, and that's exciting to is to get good reviews from people, to get good feedback from people, and to win an award for your work, it's really, uh, it, it's gratifying. I, I'm sure. And then it also helps for future work, you know, like it's all building on itself. Sure. And this, I would like to mention, has only been in the last five or so years, right? That you've been five or six years that you've yeah, been doing I'm, this work. I'm probably in the sixth year of my doing this. So... Uh, yeah, can yeah. you let's let's go back a little bit. And sure. for the large portion of your career, you were doing an entirely different line of work. <laughs> I've reinvented myself a few times, so I've okay. done uh, several line different lines of work. Okay, and then in your mid forties, you decided to take a left turn and follow this creative passion. Yes, it was much earlier that I decided I wanted to take a stab at acting. So I moved here to Los Angeles in 96, I think. So, But I was pursuing on-camera work at that time. And it's tough. And it requires a lot of hustle and a lot of marketing and uh, a thick skin. Um, and some luck, quite a bit of luck. Quite a bit of luck, I would say, yes. It didn't work out great for me, to be honest. You know, I, I did not have a ton of success in on-camera. I had some, but not enough 
for me to be considering myself making a living. So through all of that, I'm doing all kinds of survival jobs. I started doing bartending work for a while, and then I got into doing office temp work and stuff like that. When I eventually decided that on-camera acting is not happening, I'm not making a living doing this, I need to find something else to do, I turned one of my temporary office jobs into a career that lasted maybe 10 or 15 years. I worked as a forensic accountant for a litigation consulting firm. And that became legit hard work and, and a career that was going places. So I sort of put the acting stuff on the back burner. I would still do it for fun. I would do stage plays when someone asked me to, but I wasn't sending headshots out to casting directors and agents anymore it just was not my thing anymore. I had a job, so yeah. I wasn't doing that. But that job was really stressful, and it was really starting to take its toll on me. And it was at that time that I sort of realized, I think I'm done with this. This is really stressing me out way more than it should be. And that's when I started exploring voiceover. So, yeah, I had several careers before voiceover. One of the things that was attractive about voiceover at that time was how the internet had really changed the face of that whole industry. Now that there was instant digital communication, there was less need for people to drive to a studio. And you could get auditions at websites. They had these things called pay to play websites where you could pay a membership fee. And now there are, uh, it's like classified ads, uh, voice auditions for you. So that's kind of how I cut my teeth on it and how I got started. I just got myself a microphone and tried to make a space where I could record and have the recording sound decent and then just started submitting auditions that way. I love when people have that moment where they kind of get the courage up to change from, oh, I wish I could do that or how do those people do that Right. and switch that feeling to why not me? I, I can do that. Yeah. That person can be me and then... And then they take the leap. You took right. the leap and made it become you. It's probably not fair to say that I left one job to leap into another because the truth is when I left that other job, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. Voiceover was something I was exploring, but I can't say I had 100% confidence that that was going to be my next thing or that was going to be my career. I just knew that I couldn't do what I was doing anymore and I needed to make a change. Uh, it wasn't like I leapt from one thing into another with all kinds of confidence that this new thing was going to happen. But it is definitely true that I looked at it with fresh eyes and suddenly thought, this seems like something I could accomplish if I really set my mind to it. It seems doable. Had you been told many times in your life, you have such a cool voice, you should try this? Or did it more emanate from your acting background that you thought, I could do something with my voice? It's both. But yes, I'd heard from lots of people over time, you have a really good voice. You should try voiceover. And it is a huge cliche in the voiceover industry because a lot of people get into it because of that, because people told them they have a great voice or a unique voice or an interesting voice or a listenable voice or whatever it is they say, there's something about your voice quality that people gravitate towards. And you hear things from people. But you learn that it's not about your voice. I mean, it's very helpful to have uh, a voice that people find uh, listenable, but 
there's so much more to it than that. And you realize that just having a great voice is not going to land you work. There's a lot that goes into just learning how to read a script on mic and sound natural. And uh, having a good voice will only take you so far. What are some of the other things? Reading a script to sound natural and... I'm sure having perseverance and being able to market yourself. And there's probably things yeah. that have nothing to do with the voice. But. Yes. Hustle is definitely important. Training is important. Willingness to make investments. This wasn't cheap to do. You had to invest money over time. And you got to watch that money, <laughs> you know, because if you're not making enough in your business to be profitable, then something's wrong, right? It's not good business. So I started off with a more affordable mic than the one that you see here because that's what I could afford. And then when you start booking things that will help you pay for new equipment, new demos, uh, new acoustic treatment, uh, more training, you just got to keep investing in yourself because if you're not, you'll stagnate. Are you still training? Do you still have yep. people who kind of coach you? And Yep, I still do training. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just recently released a bunch of new demos. So uh, there's training that goes into preparing yourself for that demo. And then then there's the work of recording the demo itself. So uh, recently, a lot of my training has been preparing to record those demos. But, you know, I'll do training just on auditioning technique and things like that. Or training in, new, in a new area of voiceover that I haven't tried. Can you give us some examples of that? Would that be different types of characters or different types of range for your voice? I did two character demos this year, and I haven't hadn't done any character demos before. I'd done some character work, either in audiobooks or uh, auditions that I'd landed, a couple of video games, a couple of animation things here and there, but not a lot of it. And I didn't have really any any demos that I could use to show your skills in that area. And I'd kind of put it off. Because I thought to myself, that's it's really competitive, and there's lots of people that are really good at that. And I think I'm just gonna stay in the Malone zone. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay. You know what I'm saying? It's a nice place to be. Well, sure, it's but you know what I'm saying is that you know when people, when you get good feedback on your commercial reads, you're getting good feedback on your e-learning, on your corporate reads. Maybe you just want to stay there because it's comfortable and it's closer to you uh, and it's less of a risk. But I just finally decided, really during the pandemic, that I've been putting this off for long enough. I came to Los Angeles to be an actor and I want to stretch. And this stuff's fun. I've loved this since I was a kid. Why don't I try it? So I started working with a coach to get better at character reads. Could you give any little bits of them right now? <laughs> Well, one of them is a character that I've been working on for a long time. He's got sort of a speech impediment, so it's, you know, it sounds a little bit like that, and he's just, he's sort of the man-child inside of me that I like to use, you know, for that kind of thing. Right, so I had just been... <laughs> I had to hold my laugh for you so I didn't interrupt you. And I, I get to see you on video, but obviously the listeners can't. I thought it was interesting you were holding your your hand sort of near your neck and hunching your shoulders up a little. So it was definitely a, it was a whole body experience when right. you were creating that guy. Right. <laughs> and that's not the best hunching is not the best way to create resonance, but, but it I is a good way to create. Right. A little character. Right, 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 right. <laughs> 
physicality it really is very important so thinking yeah. about your character's physicality if you're if you're voicing someone who's rotund you know you, you need want to be thinking about being in that body or if you're voicing someone older than you or younger than you you know you just want to think about what's it like being in that body do you try to put yourself visually in a certain place when um, you know you're narrating a commercial asking yourself a ton of questions is important and like I said, knowing who you are and who you're talking to, knowing why you're saying what you're saying, and knowing where you are, that's also very helpful too. Because, you know, if we're just sitting having a comfortable cup of coffee together, we might talk in one way, right? Or if we're just having an animated argument, you know, we may talk in another way. So knowing where you are, uh, you're on the street, you hear traffic, it's an open space, you talk differently. So yeah, that kind of awareness is important. Yeah, it's a very thoughtful approach to speaking. You know, most of us just, we just talk. We're just talking and we're not even thinking about our tone, our speed, any of it. But because you're doing it so deliberately, you're being very conscientious about all of these elements of it. It's all in the preparation so that you don't have to think about it when you're doing it. Because if you're thinking about it when you're doing it, you know, you're outside of yourself looking at yourself and judging yourself. And when you judge yourself, you change yourself. And so you don't, you don't want that. So preparing is important. Thinking about these things before you do it will make it so you don't really have to think about them when you're doing it. It can be stressful because there can be multiple people on the other side. Usually it's, they would say it's on the other side of the glass. That's when you're in a recording studio and there's that window and you can see yeah, everybody in the other room. Yeah, that's what we're used to seeing like in movies with um, singers, you know, right. recording and then right. you see the production engineers. And exactly, all that exactly. Yeah. It's just like that for a uh, voiceover recording as well. But in a remote circumstance, you're not seeing each other through the glass, but they're there and they're listening. And you can have the director, you can have the producer, you can have people from the ad agency, you can have people from uh, the underlying client. There could be a lot of people in the room and they can have different opinions too. So that, that could be challenging, but you know, you just listen to what everybody's saying and just try and give them what they're asking for and be professional and efficient. And hopefully it works out. What are some of the comments that you would get that would well, maybe be a little they say we want it, we want it to be like in a movie trailer so style but we want it to be really conversational like you're talking to a friend and you're like okay I don't talk to my friends like that but all right <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's you can get I think mutually exclusive directions or seemingly contradictory directions but it's your job to try and implement that and make them happy. So I don't argue. I don't say that doesn't make sense. I mean, if I truly don't understand what they're asking for, I'll ask for clarification and we'll talk about it some more. But if I think what they're saying is stupid, that's not my job to say whether it's a good idea or not. I just do yeah. what they ask me. So you need to just thread that needle. And... That's right. That's right. It is amazing how confidence can make people think that you gave them exactly what they just asked for, you know, <laughs> especially if they don't know what they're looking for. Sometimes those kinds of weirdo directions that they'll give you are because they don't really know what they're looking for and they'll know it when they hear it. So your job is to give them lots of options that are awesome so that they'll know it when they hear it. Do you enjoy being right there in that process? 
giving them this take, giving them that take, coming up with a third and a fourth and an eighth. Is that fun? Like, are you in flow? Are you right there in that moment? Do you just feel like this is it? I'm, yeah. I'm where I need to be. Yeah, that's the job. I like that. I do. I, I like it better than doing recordings on my own. I mean, it's definitely less stressful doing recordings on your own. That's for sure. And you have time to think about things, to edit out your flubs, to delete takes that you didn't like. But I like the play. Yeah. How much of your time is spent marketing your work these days? Oh, uh, I mean, figure 80-20, 80% is probably mark. I mean, I think it's true of lots of creative professions is that, you know, a lot of your time is spent marketing yourself. And I suppose you would count auditioning as marketing yourself as well. Oh, yeah. That being the case, yeah, uh, definitely at least 80% of the time is spent marketing yourself. Has it become more competitive? Or I, I suppose as you become more successful, it's a little easier to well, I think find those jobs? The goalposts move, right? As you accomplish more, you want more. So what what was an exciting accomplishment to you last year is not as exciting an accomplishment anymore. You you want to go further. Does it get easier? Do you get better at your job? Yeah. But uh, th then there's just another hill to climb. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but I like that. One of the questions I wanted to ask you was, what does success mean to you mm. now? And it changes, right? It changes year to year. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when you're first starting out, just booking a job would be a success. I just want to book something. Can someone pay me some money to talk? And then maybe it's getting an agent. And then maybe it's booking something specific. You know, like for me, at the end of 2019, one of my resolutions was I want to book a national commercial campaign. And in 2020, I did. That's exciting, you know. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Uh, I booked uh, a Raisin Brand Crunch commercial specifically, and I was the voice of Sonny, their uh, iconic brand mascot. So that's, Can you give us a little of that? Oh, well, it's it basically, it's they were looking for someone who is middle-aged, and I got that, and, uh, <laughs> you know, who can be optimistic and positive and deliver a dad joke. And so I guess I could deliver a dad joke. But the whole thing was, you know, uh, how did Kellogg's create this great cereal, you know, with, uh, with these plump, juicy raisins and clusters of, you know, nuts and honey? And the answer is it took a lot of brandstorming. Get it? And that's basically the commercial. Raisin Bran Crunch. Two scoops of delicious. Do you have a lifetime supply of Raisin Bran Crunch now in your pantry? They, they did not provide me any free Raisin Bran Crunch, oh, wow. sadly. But I, I do have an empty box in my studio as a reminder. So I have a, a decorative box of Raisin Bran Crunch. And I do and a buy it. From, and a paycheck or two. And probably. a paycheck or that, two. That's good. How do you feel at the end of a work day now as opposed to 10 years ago? as tired as I did then, I think, you know, I'm still probably, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it's still work. It's still work, but more gratified, I guess. And maybe more liberated. I mean, it's definitely better to work for yourself than it is to work for somebody else. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, the stress of having to make everything happen yourself is probably the toughest part about working for yourself, but then the freedom is great. So, uh, I do enjoy that. Yeah, it's freedom and it's also, you know, pressure to keep the ball moving. Right. 
great way, a lot of responsibility. Do you um, have younger or newer people looking to get into voice acting ever come to you and look for a piece of advice? What would you tell them? All the time, especially during the pandemic when people were looking for something that they could do at home. And they really think that this is a job they can do in their pajamas. And while there's some truth to that, it's like anybody that thinks that this is going to be easy money for them is in for a rude awakening because it's not it's not easy money. You think anyone could potentially have a career of it if they have what ingredients? Well, stick to right, is definitely important. There is a place for almost every voice. Everybody, if they want to put the time into it, there's a place for them. Maybe they want to do movie trailers and they don't have the voice for movie trailers and you're not going to develop that, right? So, okay, but maybe there's something else you can do. There's a place for everybody. You know, audiobooks, uh, YouTube videos, commercials, corporate narrations, tutorials, th- there's all kinds of stuff. So, you know, you just got to find what you like to do and keep doing it, get coaching, and you'll get better. Life is short, and it's important to do something that makes you happy. Success is a hard thing to define, but I think what I have come to learn is that my definition of success is happiness. And so if it makes you happy, do it. I wasn't happy doing what I was doing. I decided to do something new and uh, I'm infinitely happier. So if you can make that happen in your life, I would say to go for it. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I think the creative road is the more challenging road to go down because it's not spelled out for you. Mm. It's not just fitting into a role that's already there and you're just going from assistant account executive to account executive to senior account executive or whatever you know it's we you have to create your own path as a creative person right and it is more challenging and yeah there's more roadblocks along the way i appreciate those words because they they resonate with me also good i'm glad but look what's happened with you. I, I can't promise everybody that uh, they can achieve exactly what they want in a short time. But if you keep trying, you're going to see progress. And that's really w- what I look for in my career is progress. And, I, you know, I think every year I feel like I've made some progress from the year before. And, you know, that's what else can you ask for? You're just a delight. Thank you so much. I've so enjoyed doing this with you. Well, thank you so much for asking me. I I, I really appreciate it. It's it, it was it was nice to be asked. As I mentioned in the interview, John has an incredible repertoire of work. You can hear lots of samples at his website, malonezone.com. I was really inspired by John's story and learned a lot from our conversation. Here are some of my takeaways. Number one. Always start the day with fresh air and exercise, maybe some meditation, and don't forget to hydrate. Two, check in with yourself. If your life feels out of balance, it may be time to reevaluate, take a left turn, and follow your heart. Three, hustle, invest in yourself. If you don't, you'll stagnate. Four, there are always new hills to climb. Be proud of the progress you make each year. And finally, number five, success is being happy. If it makes you happy, do it. I'm deeply grateful to the very talented John Malone for sharing his journey into voice acting with me. 
please visit our website, theexperiencepodcast.net, to explore other episodes, sign up for our insiders list and newsletter, and find out how to follow us on social media. And if you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others discover us. To end today's show, I can't resist leaving you with one more sample of John's incredible voice talent. Of all the cruel, savage creatures on the face of the earth, there is none more evil than I! Or is it me? None more evil than me. No, I had it right the first time! I, I am the evilest to ever arise from the- I'm Elizabeth Pearson Gar. Thank you for joining in the experience.